Welcome back to the Talking Dad podcast. And on this episode of Dad Chats, I've got Jay Hall from the Oki Bookcast. Hello, Jay. How are you? Hey, Jamie. I'm doing great. How are you? Not too bad. So I suppose we can jump straight into um, to, to you and, and tell us about yourself and your family life. And um, first of all, what would you class yourself as, as a, as a dad and a parent? Because we have messaged about this and you are a, a parent to adults now, aren't you? So what, what would you classify yourself as? Yeah, so I'm a little bit further along than most of the folks that you talk to. Um, I I am a dad, but I'm also a granddad, which I I don't know that you've had one of those on yet. But uh, okay. and that's a fairly recent thing. My oldest son and his wife had a baby about three months ago, uh, who just left a minute ago. So I kind of excited about that. Uh, but yeah, I, I think dad life for me is different because it is past the season that that you're in, certainly with uh, yeah. with the age of, of your kids and and lots of the folks that you talk to, but uh, still a dad. I mean, I still kind of have those same um, feelings towards my kids. And, you, you know, talk about being protective, talk about wanting them to be good humans, talking about wanting the best for them. Uh, it's just, it's a little bit different because it is from a distance for the most part uh, than rather than having them just in the next room or down the hall or um, sitting right here with me at any given time. Yeah. Yeah, so I know we we'd spoken um, as we were messaging, and that whole aspect of of having somebody on that that has been kind of through the whole journey, really. Even no. though the journey never ends, does it? But um, it does not. <laughs> you, you you kind of way way ahead um, in terms of the in terms of the the race time. Um, I'm with the the almost seven year old and a two year old. Um, so I've got two boys, and uh, how many have you got? And 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 ages roughly? So I've got four kids. Um, well, it, that question gets a little more complicated as they start to get married. I actually have six kids. Okay. Um, my wife and I, we've been married 31 years, actually this week, uh, anniversary is coming up and I do have it circled on my calendar. Um, right. but we have a son who's 26 daughter who is 24, another son who is 21. And then our youngest is 18. She just graduated from high school last week. Uh, and is on her way to university in the fall. So we will, as of August, officially be empty nesters, although that's never really fully a thing because they do tend to find their way back every now and then. But in, in terms of kids living in our house full time, that uh, that's about to end, which is a very interesting place for my wife and I to uh, to be hanging out. I was just going to say, how how does that, how do you tackle that? How do you, do, do you, do you look forward to that? Is that something you you think... But we're going to be able to go on our holidays and do whatever we want to do for ourselves, even though you probably can do that. Or, or is it is it something that you think I'm going to miss this? I'm, I'm, it's the last the last one's about to to leave. And I think it's both. Um, you know, my wife and I have talked about what are we going to do. Um, but you know, the reality is, our our youngest daughter, who's the last one in the house, she's been driving for the last two years. So, you know, we see her occasionally, she shows up for meals and to sleep. Uh, but then, you know, she's off at school, she's out with friends, she's doing sports and, and the other things that she does. And so you, you kind of get to transition a little bit because you get used to seeing them less and less, uh, as they're transitioning out into the world. But what we have, we've talked about, so my wife is, um, she's stayed at home with all of our kids. So for the last 26 years, uh, her primary role has been mom and trying to figure out now 
what she wants to do next. Does she want to go to work? Does she want to, you know, she's working on some nonprofit stuff and with some other things. But we also have this grandbaby that uh, complicates things because he and his parents live three and a half hours away. So I think a lot of our very early time in the empty nest is going to be driving back and forth to Fayetteville, Arkansas to see them. Um, so yeah. not exactly vacation, but a little bit. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's an odd thing because it's something that you know is coming. I mean, like we we have known for well twenty six years that eventually we would have an empty house, um, but it it sneaks up on you a little bit, and so I don't know that we've really fully reconciled ourselves to what it looks like, um, and and what what life's going to look like because there is a a measure of freedom that comes with it, like you mentioned. I mean, we can travel a little easier and not have to worry about who's taking care of what or, you know, making sure that uh, Beck, my youngest, is available to go to school. Uh, but at the same time, because our kids are a little bit spread out, um, a lot of it is just wanting to be with them and see them, not in intrusive ways that we're just going to show up at their houses all the time. But, um, you know, I mentioned my older son's in Arkansas, which is about three and a half hours from here. My younger son is a cowboy in Colorado. Uh, he lives about eight hours away. And so, a lot of the time that we would have to take off to visit places we always want to go. Some of that's going to be spent going to see our kids because that's who we want to, to see and hang out with. So I don't know that I have an answer yet because I don't know that we're quite there, uh, but we, we can see it in the not uh, far distance. And so uh, I, th I think one of the things that we're really excited about, and we've, we've begun to see this anyway, as our, our youngest, as I mentioned, has been gone more she and I just get to hang out more, yeah. which is something that for a long time, you know, we kind of high five each other as one was heading to this practice and the other one was taking a kid to this, this thing. Um, and so we kind of come to the end of the day and look at each other and go, Hey, yeah, it's good to see you. I haven't seen you all day, but we're getting to do that more now. So we get to go out to eat, go to movies and just hang out and just sit on the couch and not do anything, which again is unusual. We haven't done that a lot in the last few years. Yeah, yeah. So you get to you get to re reconnect a little bit with your wife, yeah, and, yeah. and um, you know, get, get back to what life might have been like before before children arrived. <laughs> <laughs> We're just a little bit older and slower these days. We we need to go to bed a little earlier than we used to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that the the cow the ca the cowboying sounds uh, <laughs> sounds really interesting. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. He uh, he's twenty one. He has worked on a ranch for the last couple of years. And um, had kind of wrapped that up and we weren't sure what it was going to look like next. And he called us, oh gosh, two or three months ago and said, hey, there's another ranch. They've offered me a job. I'm going to take it. So he literally is a cowboy. He rides a horse. He chases cattle and calves around and does all the things that actual cowboys do. They still exist. He wears a hat. He's got a bad mustache. I mean, every bit of the the cowboy image that that you might see, he fits. Um, and it's really fun to watch because uh, that's um, not something any of us expected for any of our kids. Okay, but he's just he's just taken to it. He loves animals, uh, um, and he likes just being outside and kind of doing his thing. And so he actually just took off uh, this weekend to start this new job. And so we'll we'll get to kind of watch what that looks like out in the middle of nowhere in Colorado. Wow! So is he the twenty one year old? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's our yeah. your son. Yeah, is is that a um, a career path that is 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 common for 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 young for young kids uh, these days? No, no, no. Um, 
he uh, did a little bit of college and it just wasn't, he started college during COVID and college COVID here was just not good for anybody. And so like lots of students, his age did a year and it just, it didn't feel like university typically feels. So he was looking for something else. Like I said, he's always loved animals and, and just had this opportunity, but uh, the number of actual 21 year old cowboys in the United States is not very high. So yeah, uh, it's not unusual for students to be finding things to do that aren't school, but it is a little bit unusual for them to be on horses chasing cattle around. I would assume it's a, a, a dying trade almost. It absolutely is. And what's really interesting about this place where he's going, because a lot of the work now is done on ATVs, all-terrain vehicles, or you know, trucks chasing things around. And this ranch has decided, committed to um, kind of doing things the old way. So the cattle are all grass-fed. They don't do feedlots, um, which is healthier for the cows. Uh, and and they use horses because that's also easier on the the cattle than being chased around by things with motors. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's really interesting. Um, so the next question is, and now you can either think back to when the kids were young or when you were fresh to the to the dad life, or you can think of some examples of, of a bit more recent. It's entirely sure. up to you or both. Um, so was there anything that surprised you, good or bad, about becoming a dad or fatherhood in general? <laughs> I I was thinking about this question. I think everything surprised us initially about becoming a about becoming parents. You know, we so our older son was born in 1996, um, and it was a time in the United States where there was a lot of like focus on structure for kids. And so there were certain books you were supposed to read and classes you were supposed to go to. And we didn't know what we were doing. And so we did all that. We read the books, we went to the classes. And then this kid showed up who had not read any of the books and hadn't gone to any of the classes and decided he was going to do whatever he wanted, despite what we thought we knew. Um, my wife and I, we had changed exactly one diaper between us before we had a child. So there was just all of this stuff that we thought we we might be prepared for that we honestly didn't have a clue in the world what we were doing. Um, and fortunately, we, my wife and I are, are both of the personality that we could laugh about it rather than be stressed about it. So it was fun, but it was also, if we talk about it, it's a little bit shocking that our son survived the first year just because we knew so little about what we were doing. Right. Um, and then as we added kids, it just got more and more surprising. So our first daughter came along and we realized, oh, wait a minute, girls are different than boys which I think intuitively we knew, but as children, we didn't fully understand. Um, and then our third child came along and you haven't experienced this yet, Jamie, but when you go from two to three, you shift from a man to man to a zone defense. Okay. Because you can't just pair up against them anymore. There's this third one that's running around doing things. Uh, so navigating what that looked like with kids who are a little bit older and more mobile, but then we still have this baby. And then our, our youngest daughter is adopted. Uh, she, uh, we we brought her home from China when she was a year old, and that kind of threw everything away that we thought we knew. I mean, we had three kids. We thought we'd figured out how to kind of raise babies, but to to have a child who uh, was a little bit delayed developmentally because of the experiences that she'd had, um, she didn't understand English. You oh, know, man. so a one year old can at least understand some English, even though they're they're not speaking a lot of it yet. She didn't have that. Um, she'd never encountered a man. She lived at an orphanage. that was only women except for the doctor that came in occasionally. And she didn't like him very much because he poked her with stuff. Yeah. Um, and so just, you know, helping her navigate, especially the first year or so of her life, but 
um, everything was new. It's like we had to figure out again, okay, how do we parent and what does it look like? And how do we, how do we help her succeed and grow and do the things we've seen our other kids do with a very different beginning um, and, and just with a very different set of needs? So when I say that we were kind of surprised all the time, it literally was every couple of years, a whole new set of things would would launch. But as I, I think about kind of the bigger, you know, again, a few years down the road of this thing, the things that have been surprising in, I think all of them in cool ways. I, I, I think I can say that for sure. Um, one is just how much fun the whole thing has been. You know, it, it's this moment now we're kind of looking back a little bit and going, Okay, we did it, right? Yeah. We, you, know, you watch your daughter, your youngest, walk across the stage of graduation and think, okay, this symbolizes the end of an era. And as we we look back and think about it, it really has just been fun, like to watch these kids, uh, who are still kids, will always be children in my mind, regardless of the fact that they're all bigger than I am and uh, doing grown up things. Um, watching them become who they are, you know, watching their personalities develop laughing about how much some of them are like me or some of them are like my wife. And then some things we look at and go, we have no idea where that came from. Yeah. Uh, uh, watching them kind of grow into their callings and, and really become uh, the young men and women that we knew they would be, but doing things that they, they love. I mean, again, we weren't looking at cowboy that wasn't on the list of things we were thinking about. Uh, but uh, to watch him do that, my older son is in law enforcement. And so watch, and he wanted to be a, a police officer since pretty much he was old enough to know he wanted to be anything. Yeah. So watch him do that. My older daughter is a, a college professor and a professional writer. So watching her grow into that, um, it, it's just been fun. Even the days where it was kind of long or, you know, the seasons where you think, oh man, this may never end. It does. And it's not fun in every moment, but when you look back at it, it really is just, it's a ton of fun. Um, and I think the other thing, and I, I, I could go on and on and on. I think the other thing that surprised me and my wife and I've talked about this a little bit that we weren't ready for, uh, one is how fragile kids hearts are. Okay. Uh, but at the same time, how incredibly resilient they are. Yeah. You know, so all of my kids and most of the kids I know have had something happen to them in the first 18 years of life that broke their heart that they couldn't control. And a lot of them were seemingly little things, you know, I mean, the, the things that we look at it from a little longer perspective and think that's not that big a deal, but it is to them. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that, that fragility, but then I've watched all of my kids take those things that were you know, gut wrenching to them at the time and turn them into, uh, opportunities to, to grow, to be stronger, uh, to develop compassion, to, um, even think about kind of the direction of their lives. Uh, uh, just a quick example. My youngest daughter was a gymnast, uh, of, of some success, um, and ended up getting hurt and had four elbow surgeries in the span of two years. Um, and then just as she was about to come back, broke her foot. And so was was back out again and and then retired from gymnastics, which is a funny thing to say, but she did. She retired at 16. Um, and that was really, really hard. But this same child is off to university in the fall to become a study kinesiology, to become a physical therapist, because she's really developed a heart for athletes, especially young athletes who are trying to get back. Yeah. 
because she spent so much time doing it. So, you know, this really hard thing for her has now become a a touchstone that's kind of sent her in a direction that I mean, I may direct the path for the rest of her life because of of what she experienced as a 14, 15 year old kid. Yeah, there's a real um, there's a real sort of line of progression th- yeah. through through there. Um, you may have just kind of already touched on them, but the next part was the recent rewards and challenges. So, I mean, that could be, yeah, you know, finding out your son's going to become a cowboy, or that could be that, you know, one of them's <laughs> one of your last ones leaving home or, you know, it's up to you. <laughs> I, I think it, it goes back to a couple of things. The rewards, just watching them grow into who they're going to become. I mean, you, you can look at your kids now and I'm, I'm guessing you see, especially in the the seven-year-old, you see personality traits. Yeah. Yeah. See, you know, things that are, that are true of them. And my guess is that some of them you look at and go, yeah, that's just like me. I act that way. I think that way. I I react that way. Some are probably just like your partner because that's, that's how kids work, right? They learn this stuff from us watching that develop into a fully, well, mostly functional human being um, as they become adults is, is fascinating, but it's also just a lot of fun. Um, and then sometimes it's hard because you also see them manifest things that you're not excited about in yourself. So yeah, my, yeah, one of my kids has a stubborn streak that she got from me and has had to bump against some things uh, over the course of her life because she, I don't know, you know, this is the conversation and I'm the wrong kind of doctor to answer this question. If it's because she watched me be stubborn, I hope that's not the case. Or if it just is onboarded because she's my child, but something happened along the way. And it's interesting because we look at our adopted daughter who shares no genetics with my wife or I, but has lots of things that are very much like us. Yeah. So there's a a strong case there, I guess, for the uh, uh, nurture over nature. Um, But I, one of the things of having a big family. So like I said, we have four kids and then uh, my older two are married. So they're, eight of us, anytime we go out now, nine with our, our grandson, um, we're a little bit loud. Uh, we're a little bit raucous. We just genuinely, genuinely have a great time together. And so getting to watch them become adults and realizing that we, we can enjoy them, not just as our kids, but as adults that we like to hang out with. Yeah. You know, if I were to choose people to be around, I would choose people like my kids because they're they're fun and they are fascinating and they, um, you know, have interesting worldviews and they talk about stuff and we share a lot in common. And so it's it's just fun to see that transition take place uh, as they they move from dependency in a lot of ways to adulthood. And you realize, oh, wait a minute, I still really like being around these people. And I, I understand it's a gift. I know not every family works that way, uh, yeah. but man, for us, that's one of the just absolute rewards of of getting to this part in the journey. And and now, of course, that my um, son and daughter have had a grandchild, that's even better because I thought that was going to be pretty good. And what I found out is it's even better than I thought it was going to be. It's better than advertised. Y- yeah. Are, are you? Um, how how old's the grandchild? He's three months old. Okay. So he's not doing much. He's kind no. of just hanging out. Yeah. But he, do, uh, he do you, knows how to smile. Do you think you would be the, the grandparent that, that 
for example, doesn't doesn't do any of the discipline that they may have done with their own children, but they you know just lets the grandchild have sweets before they go home and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> it's funny because my parents were like that. Yeah. So the um, the running joke with my kids forever was that they would have ice cream Sundays with my parents right before they went to bed, yeah. and then my parents couldn't figure out why they wouldn't go to sleep. Yeah, um, I will say this: we were we were on vacation with the whole family. Um, couple of weeks ago. And I picked my grandson's name is Andy. I picked Andy up and I said, Hey, let's go see what kind of trouble we can get in and start to walk off. And I heard my older daughter say, I don't know who that guy is, but it's not my dad. <laughs> so I think I, I uh, am becoming a, a different kind of person than I was with my kids. But that's the beauty of being a grandparent is that I can hand them back at any point in time. Yeah. Um, I don't know that we'll be the, you know, sweets and send them off uh, kind of folks, but what, what I really hope is true. And, and I love that I can look at my parents, my wife's parents and know this is, I want Andy and all of the grandkids that come after to love being with us because we are so much fun to be around. Um, yeah. and, and I, you know, not in a, an entertaining kind of way, but just that they, they want to be around us because we genuinely enjoy life uh, and we get to enjoy life with them. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I would, I would, I would guess and, and say that that would be something that all parents would want of, of you know, their child to go to the grandparents' house and and want to go there and want to do right. sleepovers and you know spend time and everything. Um, it sounds like it might be slightly different for you because you've got that travel time of three hours to even even get to them or them to come to you. Right. And yeah, we're we're very fortunate. We're very local, so. It's uh, it's okay for us. <laughs> it's, it's not well, and that was our experience growing up. Both of our families live just up the road. And so our kids got to do that. So one of the things we're trying to think about is what does that look like for us? Because we, we are distant. Um, our girls live very close, but our boys both live a little bit ways away. And so what, you know, how do we do that? And fortunately we live in an era where we can, yeah. you know, anytime once he's old enough or any of the grandkids are old enough to understand it, we can get on the phone and we can FaceTime and they can see us and they can hear our voices and we can interact with them uh, where, you know, my generation, that wasn't an option. If grandma and grandpa weren't around, then they just weren't around. You, you could call them, yeah, but yeah. it wasn't the same seeing a face and kind of associating that, that physical presence of a real person with a voice that was coming through. Yeah, definitely. So in terms of thinking about any challenges, would you, would you be able to sum up a, a particular age bracket that, that was the most challenging or, or anything like that? You know, it's, it's funny, Jamie. I don't, I don't know that I can partly because they were all so different. Yeah. Um, and so before I went into, so I work in higher education now, before I did that, I worked with teenagers. And so I spent first 10 or 12 years of my professional life working with teenagers and everybody talks about, Oh, the teenage years are the worst. I loved it because it was a, a group of people that I was used to being around and knew how to deal with and knew when the weird things happened, you know, the emotions got wild or, or the bad hair decisions got made. And man, there were some bad hair decisions um, that it was just a season, right? It yeah. was just for a little while and it wasn't representing major character flaws or anything like that. It was just a little while. So I don't know. I don't know that I can point to a specific period and say, man, this was, this time was really hard. Um, and, and part of the joy of that was that none of it lasts very long. You know, they're only toddlers for a little while. They're only, uh, babies for a little while. You know, you're only sleepless for a little bit and then they become teenagers and you get sleepless again. Um, 
they uh, all those things are just for a season. And so I think as you move along a little bit and you watch that, then suddenly it gets easier maybe with the second, third, and fourth where you realize, oh, okay, they're only going to be like this for a little while. Yeah. Right? They're they're gonna they're gonna emerge out of this. I think in general, when I think about challenges, um, especially with the number of kids that we had, I think the the biggest challenge my wife and I both faced was just making sure there was time for all of them. Um and and energy, quite honestly, yeah. to to chase all of them around and do all the things that we want to do with them and for them. I don't know what it's like in in the UK, but you know, in the United States, once kids get to a certain age, sports become really, really intense uh, in terms of time and you know expectations. And all of my all four of my kids were athletes, and so you know, figuring out how to get from this baseball practice to this basketball practice and hit all the games and make yeah. sure that uh, everybody can get where they need to be. Uh, I mean, it was, it was a puzzle sometimes to figure out how to make that happen. But I, when I was in, so when my kids were young, uh, I was in grad school and working multiple jobs while I was also working on my doctorate and um, had to just kind of commit that, when my kids were around, I was going to be around. And if that meant that I was working on grad school stuff at two o'clock in the morning, then so be it. Because what I didn't want was for them to have this gap in their life of, I remember dad being around for a while. And I remember there was like these four or five years where he just wasn't while he was in school. And then suddenly he was back around again, because those were really significant years. My oldest was nine or 10 and then kind of stepping down from there. And so I didn't want to miss out on that. So figuring out just how to make time work. And and I think that was all the way through um, with, with jobs and lives and their schedules and uh, just wanting to make sure that, that I was around so that they could have me around. That we're not quite there yet. Cause I was still quite young, but we're starting to get there. I mean, yeah. we've, we've got the options of, of, of sports becoming, becoming a, a thing for them if they choose to take them up. I mean, my seven year olds big into his football or his soccer and um he's done bits of bits of training and bits of classes and clubs and he's actually going to go for a trial on uh, tomorrow tomorrow evening wow. so um he's going to have a trial at the local team which is actually just around the corner so if he does decide to go or they accept him then uh, he it will be 5 minutes around the corner instead of 25 minutes getting across the across town. town um but it's not far but it, it's it, on a saturday morning it can just be a a bit of a chore, but we've done that and you know, he still likes it. So we, and then, but then I always, I do think sometimes I've, I've got the other one and he's coming up and he's going to want to do something and they're not always going to want to do the same thing. So it's not going to be a right. case of putting them in the car, going together and then coming home together. It's going to be different, isn't it? So I do think about that sometimes and it's, uh, it's something I kind of look forward to, but also think this is, could be troublesome. <laughs> no, that's it. It's, it's a ton of fun and I wouldn't trade a second of, of the time that we spent doing it, because it also gives you a lot of great time just to be with your kids. Yeah. But managing that, how do we get everywhere we need to go? So uh, if your your son is seven um, and the local club, what does that schedule look like? Is it just Saturday or are there practices and other things that he has to do to be a part of it? I think there will be some practice in the week on a weekdays. I don't know if it's one or two, but then it'll be something, then it'll be game day on the weekend. So yeah, we'll see how that looks. He's, I mean, even at the moment, he said the other day that he wanted to go, so I booked it, 
And then tonight when I was getting his, uh, his kit ready, he said, I don't want to go. <laughs> so <laughs> we're just going to try it and see what happens. I mean, when he's there, he loves it. Um, yeah, I think, right. it, you know, we're just gotta, he's just got, he's got to try it and see what, see what happens. But he's been to the, the, the club at school and we've paid for that and, and set it up. And I thought that'll be good because he can do it with his friends and he's more likely to stick at it if his friends are doing right. it. But then I found out what he was actually doing and their practice wasn't really playing football. It was dodgeball and playing games, which is great because he enjoyed it, but it wasn't football that we planned that he wanted right. to do. So me and my wife had a conversation and we were like, well, if he wants to do football, we would rather he went to an actual football yeah. practice and not, not just ran around and played tag or whatever so so we're, we're we're getting there but i mean and and at the same time i think about you know i'm gonna have two teenage boys at some point and <laughs> i don't know do i want them both to go to boxing classes do i want them both to be you know martial arts do i want them to learn how to do all that and it's going to be interesting <laughs> I, I can promise you that whatever it is it'll be fascinating i mean one of the things that we love doing with our kids and it in some ways, a complicated things, but we we wanted to give them a chance to experience a lot, lot of different kinds of sports, a lot of different kinds of activities before they settled into this is the thing that I'm going to be. Uh, and so we found ways, especially early on, that it was like one practice a week and one game a week. And so that was pretty low key. You could get in, you could decide, okay, this really isn't for me, or I really don't like this. Um, both of my daughters who our athletes, one was a high school swimmer. And then I mentioned the gymnast, um, when they played T-ball and football, your football, yeah. um, that wasn't happening. Like <laughs> the, the idea of, you know, balls coming at them in any way, shape or form was just not a thing they wanted to do, but we did it in such a way that it was over in eight weeks. And so yeah. they could, you know, do it and do their thing and realize, Nope, this isn't for me. Let's move on to the next. Uh, and, and it not be this big, massive time or resource or, money commitment to uh, to discover something that they really didn't like to do yeah and I, I thought back to when i was a kid and i did lots of different classes and different things and yeah. you know i played football when i was young didn't really know why i was playing it just because i enjoyed it and friends were playing it and and then i stopped playing for a few years like my dad would take me and then and then i stopped and then as i got older and i was a teenager i played in the school team and then i played for another team on a sunday so i came back to it and I always think sometimes I don't want I don't want to sort of it sounds odd, but I don't want to sort of allow the kids to pick things up and drop it and, and not commit to something. Yeah. But then but then you've got to allow them to, to explore and figure out what they want to do. So I'm on the fine line between finding what we want to do and and then uh, yeah. deciding what is going to be moving forward, I think. Well, and that was the beauty of finding these short kind of eight week deals that if you didn't, we, we always told everybody you've committed to it, you're going to finish, but we tried to find things, especially early as they were just exploring that it wasn't a six month commitment or it wasn't a, you know, if you, you get out of this, then you're letting a lot of people down. It was just a couple months and anybody can do anything for a couple of months was, and we had that conversation with a couple of our kids that yeah. you don't like it, uh, but we said we were going to do it and we're going to give it, you know, the full run to, to make sure that it. That, to make sure that you don't like it, to make sure you didn't just have a bad day, but that it really isn't something that you you want to do. And then we'll pick up the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, it's, it's really, it's really good and important for, for kids as they get to the teenage years, if, if they've got that kind of foundation of something, some positive activities, because then 
you've worked with teenagers, you've seen what it can be like if they don't necessarily have that positive pull in one direction, they can go in a different direction, can't they? And that, and that, you know, that's in the UK, that's a, that's an area that is lacking. I feel like for teenagers yeah. at, at this moment in time, it's probably wider than just a UK problem, but, um, you know, giving the teenagers that, that positive pull and something to do and focus on and right. not just leaving them to decide that they want to sit in the room all day playing games or they want to go on the streets with their friends and get up to no good. And, you know, that is an element of being a teenager, I know, but there's there's varying uh, levels of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and I think it also allows for our identity, right? It, it helps kids figure out who they are. Uh, and, and we never wanted our kids and, and tried to help them separate who they are as a human from who they are as an athlete or who they are. But, but on the other side of that, it's a part of, of who they get to be. And so my son played basketball. And so he saw himself as a basketball player uh, and still at 26 years old, sees himself in some ways as a basketball player. He thinks about the world that way. Uh, and so to, to have those associations also helps you build identity and figure out who you are. And I think a lot of the lostness we see sometimes in teenagers and adults, honestly, yeah. is that they don't have those connections to this is a thing that helps me understand who I am and what I'm about and and how I view the world. And when you don't have that, it, it does lend itself then to just making you kind of anchorless and and wandering around just doing kind of whatever comes along because you don't have a thing that you're pointing towards. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Was there, was there any advice that was given to you uh, at any point um, that maybe you didn't think much of or, and then it became something you, you really live by or on the reverse side, is there some advice that you give now to other people? I, I was thinking about this. I don't remember any specific piece of advice that I was given by anybody when, when the first child came, but I, I was laughing. One of the, one of the things that somewhere along the way I decided with all of my kids was um, that I was going to say yes as much as I possibly could um, within reason and health and safety and things like that. And as I was thinking about that last night, thinking about this conversation, I was reminded of, of the book Yes Man by Danny Wallace, who's from the UK, yeah. uh, where he, you know he's challenged to say yes more. And then he goes on this binge of saying yes to everything. So maybe I could credit Danny Wallace with giving me some advice, uh, even though my kids are a little bit older by the time that book came out. But I, so it, when, when my son wanted to go play basketball and I was tired, then the answer was yes. Um, when my other son wanted to take extra infield after baseball practice and I was tired because I just coached them for two hours, the answer was yes. When my, when my daughters want to listen to Taylor Swift on a two hour car ride, uh, as painful as that might be sometimes, the answer is yes. You know, I, I just, I want to have experiences with them, both when they were little and even now that, um, that help us connect. Right. I, I just, and, and my wife's the same way. We wanted to be careful about when we said no, we wanted to be both with time and with just the decisions that kids were making. You know, we, um, when I was in seminary, uh, before we had any kids, there was a, uh, one of my professors, a guy named Phil Briggs, talked about with teenagers, sometimes you just have to let them be wrong because eventually they'll figure it out. You know, as long as it's not something that's going to hurt them, things like that. But you just, just let them be wrong. And as my kids got older and wanted to make some of those bad hair decisions that we mentioned earlier, um, it's just hair. 
And so, you know, we, we tried to say yes to that kind of stuff as much as we could so that when we did need to say no, because they were making decisions that might be harmful or problematic in some way, that no had more weight because we were willing to, we were willing to go along with a lot um, and, and just let them explore and figure out who they were and, and do some things out in the world that I know stressed my mom out because, you know, you're letting him drive how far and he's only been driving for a few months. Well, he'll be fine. And if he's not, that'll be okay. Like we'll figure it out. It'll be okay. Um, and they got some bumps along the way, like that just happens. Yeah. But as I think about, I would much rather they have those bumps because we were willing to let them go explore and and give it a try than to shield and protect them from things that then, you know, when they actually did have to get out into the world and the world started bumping them around, they weren't ready for it because they hadn't experienced it yet. Yeah. So but... I think just that thing of saying yes. And I, man, when uh, I try to be very careful uh, in engaging other people in the way that they parent because they are them and I'm me. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, I I think um, saying yes is a is a big part of that. That's an interest. It is an interesting point and something that something that has crept up in conversations before on the podcast and and you know almost a reflective practice that if we, if we had this if we had this moment of when we're right in the middle of a parenting decision or a conversation and we could have this pause button and sort of look back to this conversation or another moment uh, around something else. And we could say, actually, I remember that I was, I, I, I should have been saying yes more, or I should have been doing X, Y, and Z. And, and that's what I, I told myself I would do in these moments. And what, just the stresses of, of daily life and being a dad and parenting. And, you know, maybe you, you've, you've, you've said no, and really you could have said yes. And if, if we had, <laughs> if we had the opportunity to just slow ourselves down and think, you know what? Yeah. Why not? You, you try it as a parent. Yeah. You, you might think, I don't think it's going to work, but you know, try it. <laughs> well, that's some of it, right? Is that things come to you and you, you have to decide when, when do I try to impart wisdom and when do I let them learn on their own? And there is not a perfect formula for that. I wish there were, uh, and every kid's different and every situation is different. So there's just not a right answer there, but this idea of saying yes more, I, mean, I think it's just a good way to live, not just parent, but it's a good way to live, right? To, to open yourself up it to should be, should be, to yeah. the possibilities and to experiences. And, and again, you're going to trip over stuff. I've, you know, I've, I've got, I've got bumps and bruises of my own from yeah. times where I said yes to things that might not have been great ideas, but uh, most of them were still fun. Yeah. Whether they're good ideas or not. It, it's got to make for a more interesting journey, hasn't it? Yeah. And I think that's the point. We we don't get to do this for a real long time. And so, you know, taking the taking the chances to to try something you haven't tried. My wife, when she was, I think it'll be okay if I say this number, I think she was 48, maybe 49, when she decided that she was gonna go uh learn martial arts, that she wanted to do taekwondo, she wanted to do martial arts her whole life. And uh so started doing taekwondo and when I mean, we just laughed about, okay, mom's now become a weapon, yeah. but loved it and had an absolute blast until, you know, life and age caught up and some injuries kind yeah, of yeah. Uh, that. But when she came to me one night and said, Hey, I think I want to do this. My response was like, awesome. Yes. Let's, let's figure it out. Let's make it happen. Cause why not? Thank you for listening to Talking Dad UK. You can keep updated on all things dad by checking out our website, 
www.talkingdaduk.com Also launching the new Patreon page where you can join the paid tier Talking Dads Club. It's £3 a month, it helps offset some of the costs of podcasting and ensures that we can keep this ongoing resource library available for all. All the links will be in the show notes. Thanks for listening and back to the episode. You had mentioned advice that I give and so I, I, I mentioned I try to be really careful about directing other people and it's interesting now that I have a son and daughter-in-law that we are watching parent and my wife and I both said we are not like if they ask us questions we're going to offer advice but man we we don't want to intrude in their world in the way that they're going to parent uh but the the thing that and I don't know where this came from I don't know if this is just something that somewhere along the way I heard or decided whatever um but when I talk to especially dads the thing I tell them is just keep showing up it, you know, whatever, whatever that looks like and then understanding that situations are different and, you know, some dads have complicated circumstances and sometimes it's hard to be around, but in the ways that you can, however you can keep showing up in the lives of those kids because they, they need us around, even when they don't think they do or tell us they don't want us um, to just find ways to continue to be a presence in their lives. um, Because we, whether we recognize it or not, whether they recognize it or not, we are helping them become who they're supposed to be. And we can't do that if we're not there. And and so, you know, beyond the fact that they're fun to be around and it's just great to have those interactions, the, the impact that we have on our kids, I, I don't know that I have a clue how large that is. Every now and then my kids will say something about it. And I realize I had no idea you were even listening right when that was going on. But, um, to just be there in, in all the ways that we can be there, even if it's, I was laughing the other day, my younger son and I, neither one of us, this conversation notwithstanding, um, we don't talk a lot just in general. And so we would take two hour car rides, car rides when I was coaching him in baseball, uh, to a, a tournament or something and not say a word for two hours and then right. get there and do the thing and then get back in the car and be quite all the way back. Um, but he has talked about just those rides and just being around and the occasional, like one-off, you know, quick couple of sentences that we'd say to each other. Um, were meaningful, were significant because we were just together. You're going to catch more because you're you, because you're together and you're around yeah. a lot of the time. And um, yeah, in terms of in terms of you and hobbies and interests, how uh, did you have you got anything in particular that you had um, while the kids were growing up that, that was yours and you could focus your time on? And obviously now things might be a little bit easier. You might have a lot more to do. Much easier <laughs> now than they were then. Um, <laughs> Most of my kids, especially their young years, I was called coach as much as I was called dad. So I, I coached everything, whether I knew what I was doing or not. Uh, I was just willing to show up and, and be around. So um, especially my boys, I mean, I coached baseball, I coached basketball, I coached American football, I coached rest of the world football, even though I knew very little about it at the time. I knew that we're going that way, so kick the ball that way. And some. Sometimes that's all you need with five-year-olds that works, right? Um, I wouldn't try it in high school, but just again, to be with them, but also I love sports. Uh, I played sports when I was a kid and so wanted to just be around that part of their life. And while that was work and that was parenting because I was with them, it also was just a lot of fun. And so I think of that in those seasons as a hobby um, because I was also around a lot of other kids and a lot of other parents and, you know, getting to invest in, uh, lots of young athletes uh, at at different stages in their journeys. Um, 
And then there were just lots of things, you know, I, I really got into photography for a little while, which connected to the kids because I could take pictures of them and take pictures of the places we went. Uh, I'm a musician. And so that kind of came and went over time. Um, I've always been a, a voracious reader since I was a kid. And so that's something that um, whatever was going on with the kids, uh, you know, <laughs> they used to laugh at me that if I was going to a four hour swim meet for my daughter, who was going to swim all of about five minutes of that four hours, I typically sat in the stands with a book. And so I would sit and read for those other three hours while we were waiting for her to do whatever she was doing. Um, yeah. So I think if I, if there's one consistent hobby that's been in my life forever, that's it uh, is just the, the love of, of sitting down with a book or books and, and enjoying those. And any, any genre or type of book in particular? Um, mostly fiction. I have always been a gigantic, uh, as my children call me nerd. Um, but I think it's affectionate. It feels affectionate. Uh, I love science fiction. I love fantasy. I, I enjoy thrillers and I mean, really just about anything in the world of fiction. I don't read a lot of nonfiction because my world is pretty nonfiction. I work in education. And so I, I spend a lot of time reading in the areas that I both study as an academic and then uh, for my, for my work as a, an, an academic administrator, but I don't read a lot of leadership stuff or, you know, other kinds of nonfiction. Um, I think the world is complicated enough. And so I'd rather escape from it than, than read more about it most days. I'm not the greatest of readers, really. I mean, I'm just, just giving myself the discipline to actually read a book when I could stick a film on and watch <laughs> the same thing for an hour yep. and a half is, is I've, since I was a, probably a teenager, that switch came into me that oh, it takes too long to read a book and I can't really sit with it. Um, I would love to be one of the, my wife is more like, more like one of those people that, that, you know, if we go on holiday pre pre kids, cause the kids are young. Right. Um, she would always take books with her or, or um, at Kindle or, or whatever she had. And she, she, just sit and read and read and at nighttime she'd sit and read and yeah, I wish I could do more of that. But I think if it, it, for me, it would, it would probably be. So I'm not, I'm not necessarily a science fiction buff when it comes to films, but thrillers and science fiction, I think I would be more intru- okay. into with, um, in, into books, um, that and possibly autobiographies. It depends who, whose autobiography, sure. but. I think one of the things that's really interesting about science and man, we could go off on a whole other tangent here and that's not why we're here today. <laughs> I think one of the things that's interesting, interesting about science fiction writing, you know, science fiction is so much about, about ideas. And when we think about science fiction, we think about lasers and aliens and spaceships and, and, you know, star Warsy kinds of things, but in the, the writing that drives a lot of what we now see in film and, and television is, is really about ideas and it's about future possibilities, but it's also about what's going on now and talking about it in such a way that is fantastical enough that you can kind of slip in the messages and slip in the ideas. So one of the things I really enjoy about reading is, and I'm especially attracted to science fiction from like the forties and fifties and sixties. I think it's really interesting to read how those authors dealt with the civil rights movement and the, the, equal rights with, with women and, um, war and just all of these different things that were a part of what was going on in the United States and the world. And they were, they're talking about it, but they're talking about it when, you know, the races are one's green and one's hairy, as opposed to thinking about, you know, black and white or, or thinking about men and women. And it allows you to 
to think about the the ethics and the 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 specifics well to think about kind of the larger picture of the situation without getting caught up in the specifics of this particular conflict or this particular problem anyway that's a a long aside but i think that's one of the beauties of reading uh, as opposed to watching film because film is a medium that is and i love movies and tv and all that but it's designed to capture your attention for a little while and most of it's not really designed to make you think about very much yeah yeah and it, it's also somebody else's interpretation right of, of, yes. of, of a character or, a, or a, a scene whereas if you read the book it can be described in a certain way but your picture of that could be very different yeah. wouldn't it yeah tell us about your, your what you've got going on for yourself at the moment and i know you're into podcasting yeah so the beauty is that now that the nest is emptying uh there's a lot more time and a couple of years ago i found myself with lots of time that i didn't have before and and just started thinking about okay what do i want to do what am i interested in and um, went to bed one, I'd made a list of just here's some things that, that I like, and I like thinking about, and it was books and reading, but also technology and writing and, and things like that. Woke up the next morning with an idea for a podcast, which is not, not something I'd ever thought about, um, getting into to podcast. I'd listened to them, but I hadn't been interested in, in creating them. Uh, and that actually turned into a, a podcast that I've done now for about a year and a half, started thinking about it almost two years ago. Um, called the Okie Bookcast, and it's focused on connecting readers with books and authors that they might not know about yet. So I I interview lots of authors, mostly connected to Oklahoma, because uh, that's where I'm from and that's who I am. Um, and then we also, uh, we, have, uh, we have interviews, we do book reviews on the show, and then uh, once a month, my older daughter and I, who I mentioned is a, a professional writer herself, we have a book chat show where we bring somebody else on and the three of us just talk about books we're reading. And so we do lots of reviews and recommendations and um, you hear a lot of our family dynamic is Hannah and I mess with each other a little bit because um, yeah. we are almost exactly alike in every way as my wife would tell you. And so it's, it's fun to just kind of listen to us talk about things that we, we enjoy and how much alike we are in some ways. And then in some of our reading habits are very different, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's been a ton of fun to just, explore that. I've gotten to know, man, a ton of, I've gotten to know you. I've gotten to know lots of great people uh, in the podcasting world, but also in the the writing world, particularly connected to, to our state, which has led then to the other kind of big thing that is um, occupying my free time these days. I've, I've started writing. Um, when my son told me that they had a baby coming, I started thinking about all the things that I wanted to make sure that I had hoped he knew um, without, you know, being a, a ton of advice buried on him and, yeah. and mostly the stuff that I hoped he'd caught from me that he'd seen me do and, and live out and don't know that I'd ever articulated it. So I started thinking about this list of, of things that I hoped he understood and knew and thought, well, maybe I'll just write it down. We're kind of a letter writing family, have a history of that. So I was going to write it down for him. And then the more I thought about that, the more I thought, well, if I'm gonna write it down for him, I'll just write it down for everybody. And so uh, at the beginning of this year in 2023, I started writing a book and in about five weeks had that thing knocked out and published it earlier this year. It's called God Help Me, I'm a Young Dad. And it's focusing on 10 big ideas to um, help dads navigate fatherhood, uh, but also not just for dads, but for um, parents to help build those things into the lives of their kids as well. So it's talking about 
things like love and compassion and gratitude and forgiveness that we need in order to navigate life as as dads, but also that our kids need. And so yeah. there's a lot of um, a, a lot of application. There's a lot of activity in it. There are every chapter ends with here's what this can look, look like with your kids. And so it's things that you can do and talk about with uh, with your children to to help them begin to think about what does love look like. Uh, what does gratitude look like? What does forgiveness look like uh, in their lives? And that's been a lot of fun. I have thought most of my life about being a writer and have just haven't had the time and the discipline or the, the um, thing I really wanted to talk about that, that yeah. led to that. Uh, but putting this one out in the world, I'm now working on my second book, which is for college students, which is what my daughter is getting ready to do. And so thinking about how she's going to navigate life. And um, I've spent a lot of time through the years working with college students again, because that's my job as well. Um, And so helping them think about what are the things that uh, are essential to, to doing life and being successful as a, as a student during this time in their lives. That's really interesting. And uh, it seems, it feels like that would be a natural kind of progression for you only speaking to you for a short amount of time, but having such an interest in books and, Mm -hmm. and like you say, you, you've been through that full journey of, of, of raising children into into adulthood so um it kind of does feel like that would be the path you would choose but have you got any more have you got any more things planned in terms of book wise or, or are you going to take it one by one well you know once i started thinking about this the the beauty of books in the way because they're not real long the god help me i'm a young dad's 100 pages because i also know that as you've mentioned dads don't have a lot of time yeah, so they're yeah. meant to be kind of short and punchy and, and you can go through it. Well, the same is true of college students. They don't have a ton of time. They're reading lots of other stuff as well. So the beauty of that is that you can write them fairly quickly. I mean, you know, you want to think about them and, and do them well. But I've thought about, okay, if the next one is, God help me, I'm a college student or whatever that looks like. Um, my wife and I have talked about doing one for um, for new newly married folks. Because again, we've been at it for 31 years and so far so good. Um, yeah. I've talked about working with her on one for young moms because I think that's another uh, world that that just needs encouragement that just needs to be told you really are doing better than you think you are. You know, one yeah. of the, one of the jokes that we make about um, kind of church life here in the United States is Mother's Day is always we celebrate you, we honor you, we're so thankful for you, you're so great, and Father's Day sermons are usually something like, guys, we need to talk because we you're kind of messing stuff up. So the goal is to really be more encouraging. Um, to to dads and then these other groups we're thinking about to to just say, you know what, it's not easy, but you're doing better than you think you are. So yeah, I I think there's a whole series of books that might come at some point. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how many of those track the progressions of my kids uh, as yeah. the two have, or if uh, we at some point begin to venture off into other areas that uh, that just grab my attention. Yeah. I've got the bug now. So, so, so where can, where can we find the book? Is it available in the UK or it, it is, is. Amazon so or? it's, uh, it's available everywhere on Amazon. So Amazon.uk or, or whatever, how that works. And then anywhere else, yeah. I mean, people listen to this all over the world. The book's available through Amazon. Um, you can find out more about my books and what's coming and me at my website, uh, my writing website, which is jhallwriter.com. Um, and you can find out more about the podcast if you're interested there at okiebookcast.com. Uh, and that's also all my social media handles are at okiebookcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, all the different places. And, and love to connect with people and talk about books and 
uh, fatherhood and really anything else that comes up. Yeah. And I can link all of that into the show notes awesome. as well Awesome, in the podcast episode. So that's great. Um, right. Final question. Um, is there a famous dad that you would like to be like, or that you tr- have tried to be like? Man, Jamie, I struggled with this one. And I even, my daughters were over a little while ago and asked them who they thought, and they couldn't okay. come up with one either. Um, wow. They named a couple and then immediately were like, no, that's, that's not it. That's not it. Um, I, I think, so I was trying to think if, if, if I were like a dad, I would want to be like somebody who is wise, um, who is compassionate, who is uh, interested in the best, not just for their kids, but for the world. Um, and so I, I thought about this, and this name may or may not mean anything to, to you or a lot of your folks who listen. Uh, there's a character in a book called To Kill a Mockingbird uh, named Atticus Finch. And Atticus Finch okay. is the dad. Uh, he's a lawyer. And the book basically centers around a trial. Uh, it's it's set in the 1950s. It was written in the 1950s. Um, and it's set around the trial of a young African-American man who's accused of a crime. And Atticus Finch is a white lawyer who is uh, tasked with defending him. And he's a, a single dad. He has a daughter. And their interactions are really interesting because he is committed to defending this young man to the best of his ability and helping his daughter understand why he would do that. And, and I think that's that's who I want to be. I want my kids to see me even now as somebody who is concerned about justice, who is concerned about equity and equality, who is concerned about um, wanting the best in the world for the for everybody to the extent that that's possible. And um I want I want want them to see me I want them to see me model that, but I also want them to hear me talk about it. And I, I think that's been true. I think if I had mentioned that to my, at least the daughter who's read To Kill a Mockingbird, she go, okay, yeah, I can see that. Um, so I think yeah, I'd want to be that wise dad who uh, had a lot to say, who who kids saw um, are are significant. But then there's this other part of me that's kind of a goofball, and so yeah. and, and so some of the names they came up with were the more goofball-y uh, side of, of dad life that um, that I, I somehow want to make that, want to be that combination. And so as I think about what I was as a dad and honestly what I'd love to be as a granddad, um, you know, so somewhere probably between Atticus Finch and Fred Flintstone, I don't know, but um, the, <laughs> the the goofball that, that does things that, that sometimes make sense, sometimes don't, but also somebody with a big heart for, for people and for, um, for the world to be as the best it can be. Brilliant. That's another really good answer. Um, but it's been really good to talk to you. Yeah, Jamie, thanks so much for the opportunity. I'm glad we could do this. And, uh, like I say, I'll link everything in, in the show notes and, and yeah, great to meet you and uh, have a great night. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks a lot. Take care, Jamie.